Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. You'll be and how powerful godly leadership can be on a lot of people. I'm talking about your leadership in the workplace, the things that you go and do, the effect that you have on other people. But Ray, I'm not out and I, I just at home. You post things on Facebook. What, are you, what influence are you putting out to people? What are you saying to people when you talk to them on the phone? You have great influence by God on other people that's going to make or break how they turn out with God. Look at how it worked for Israel here. It's a huge responsibility. For good leadership to stay focused on God because it affects so many people's lives. I do the best I can to stay focused on God's Word, and I pray for all of you. Whether I know you well or not so well, I pray for all of you all the time because I understand this responsibility, the weight of this. Dove put it to me very clearly. He goes, Ray, do you feel like the church is kind of small? I said, "Mm, yeah. He goes, when you stand before God and you're made to give an account for every one of those people, it's not going to feel small whatsoever, will it? I said, said, you're right. (laughs) But it's very important. Leadership. I've had a lot of good leaders put into me. The people served God as long as Joshua and his team were around, but as soon as they were gone, it's like the lights went out. That speaks good things on Joshua and his leadership. Not so good on the Israelites, does it? They should have picked that up and carried it on. And so I think we've been given this reminder of how well godly leadership can be, how well it can work, because now the coin's about to flip over to the other side. We've seen good leadership. Now we're going to watch things change. We're going to be given a dark comparison. Judges 2 and 8. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died when he was 110 years old, and they buried him within the border of his inheritance at Timnath Heres and the mountains of Ephraim on the other side of Mount Gash. When all that congregation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord nor the work which he had done for Israel. So the generation of people under Joshua's leadership, they saw the great things God did. Apparently, they did not effectively communicate these great things to their children well enough for them to take hold of it. This is a charge to us that anybody behind us, they need to know what God has done in your life. They need to know, don't, well, well, I told you one time five years ago. They need to know, they need to know, they need to know. You need to tell it to them. You need to exemplify it to them. You need to demonstrate it to them. You need to pray it to them. You need to whatever. Make sure they know instead of just in passing. It's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like if Anna says, I love you, Ray. Well, yeah. She goes, do you love me too? Well, yeah, I told you that when we got married. If anything changes, I'll let you know. That doesn't work. You got to communicate it all the time. By the way, I love you, Anna. You have to do that all the time because they're going to start thinking you don't if you don't say it. For the people that you have an influence over, 
You've got to communicate what God has done in your life over and over in many ways. And I don't mean tell the same story a hundred times. I'm saying show it. Con- convey it to them. Because if you're gone, it's like nothing happened. And that's what happened here with Israel. You've got to convey it to them. Now where it says there, where it says, when all that generation had been gathered to their fathers. This is another way of saying when that generation of people died. When they all passed away, when they're all gone. Now the next generation behind them, they don't even know the Lord. They don't even know anything He's done for them. And so it's like we're starting all over again, back to square one. It's like, wipe the board off. Now nobody knows nothing. And this is where we're at. Obviously, we're about to see a dark turn. (laughs) A dark turn in Israel's history. It's very apparent that from this point, things are about to get bad. And so this next group of verses that we're about to hit, it's kind of like the summary of the entire book of Judges. Uh, You know, when you're in a bookstore and you see a book that catches your eye and you want to see about it, you open it and there's that little thing in the front that gives the summary. It kind of summarizes what the book is about. Okay, this is kind of like the summary of the book of Judges here. And it's divided up into four sections. The first section is Israel's unfaithfulness. That's the problem we're getting into now. The second part is Israel serving their enemies because God handed them over. He handed them over to be a snare. Now they're going to have to be in uh, servanthood to them. The third part is going to be Israel's repentance. And the fourth is going to be restoration through a deliverer. You know, when you look at those four things, it kind of looks like us, doesn't it? (laughs) It looks like me. (laughs) It looks just like me because I fell, we fell in our unfaithfulness, and we became slaves to our enemy of sin. But eventually, our sorrow brought us to repentance, and God restored us through a deliverer, Jesus Christ. That's a great parallel. There's a ton of Jesus parallels in the book of Judges here, so we need to be very attentive to that. Judges 2 and 11 of Israel's unfaithfulness. Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals, and they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. See how many times we're being reminded of that? Who brought them out of the land of Egypt, and they followed other gods from among the gods of the people who were all around them. And they bowed down to them, and they provoked the Lord to anger. They forsook the Lord and served Baal and the Ashtoreths. Now notice how Israel's sin is highlighted in terms of forsaking the Lord. The Lord. Forsaking means to abandon or to leave. Remember when I stood way back there and I was far away? That's forsaking. To abandon or leave. To put aside. Have you ever been forsaken before? I want to ask you a question. Have you ever been forsaken? Have you ever been abandoned? Cut off? Maybe you can remember a time in school when your friends turned on you and they didn't want you around. Maybe there was that time in PE class where they were picking for teams and nobody wanted you on their team. Maybe there was a time, I remember when I went camping one time with the the Boy Scouts. I went camping with the Boy Scouts and I didn't know the the scout troop yet uh, and nobody wanted to let me sleep in their tent. They had plenty of room. I slept outside on the picnic table. Outside, I could have gotten sick. The scoutmasters came and they were mad. Why are you sleeping on this picnic table? I said, because none of these guys would let me sleep in their tent. And I remember hearing some of them that before we went to bed, I remember hearing one, they they think tents are soundproof for some reason. They they said, oh, he's not sleeping in our tent. And somebody goes, well, he's not sleeping in our tent either. I'll tell you, I quit that scout troop real quick. 
not to knock the scouts, because back then they were a fine organization, but I didn't last because they didn't want me around. They uninvited me, sort of like. It's like they, they, they didn't want me there. And when I think back to things like that, it still, it still hurts a little bit. There's still pain. You all have those kind of things where there come a point in your life where people said, we'd rather just not have you around. That's being forsaken. When Israel sinned, they forsook the Lord. They said, God, we don't want you around. You think God can be hurt by that too? I think he can. Take your hurt and your pain that you've experienced like that and think about what happens when you sin. You're forsaking the Lord. You don't like being forsaken. Let's not forsake the Lord. The Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. And after doing all that, they forsake him. They dump him to go after other gods. That's terrible. We've all done it. I just kind of flipped the story to put you in the situation of the other side to feel it. Now, when it says the Baals, uh, it says in there, I know you've heard of Baal, but it says, when it says the Baals, this is a worship of the fertility god called Baal. But why does it say Baals as though there's more than one? Why does it say Baals as though it's plural? Because everybody had a different version of who they thought Baal was. We got a Baal, we have a Baal, we have a Baal. It's this denominational multi-belief system of who they think Baal is. And so God is always telling Israel, I'm your one God. I'm your one God. And it says here, they served a bunch of different versions of the same false God, of, of a false God. You, you see, the, the wording here is like, what are you guys doing? You're not even agreeing on one false God. You've got a bunch of them going on that conflict with each other. And it's, they had several versions. They served the Baals. And Ashtoreth was the goddess that supposedly hung around with Baal. That's, that's the goddess of fertility. They had various versions of her too. But God is one. Aren't you glad that our Lord God is one? Now, man has messed up a lot of things and thrown a lot of denominational spins on a lot of stuff, but God always keeps coming to us and saying, hey, I'm this one God. Here I am in the Word. Learn me. Pursue me. Pursue to know who I am. But anyway, this for Israel is a sad situation. And what's worse is that Baal worship involved the worst sexual immorality imaginable. And they're now doing this stuff. They're going crazy. Lost their mind. Judges 2 and 14. And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, so he delivered them into the hands of plunderers who despoiled them. And he sold them into the hands of their enemies all around so that they could no longer stand before their enemies. Did God, say, did God not say he was going to do this to them? Now he is facilitating it to where they can't stand before their enemies. Verse 15. Wherever they went out, the hand of the Lord was against them for calamity, as the Lord had said, and as the Lord had sworn to them, and they were greatly distressed. You people that believe that sealed covenant salvation means you get to sin all you want to, and those of you that accuse me of preaching that, I want you to take notice of what the word says right here. It says that God was against them. God was, their covenant people, that hasn't changed, but God was against them. Those of you who are taking grace and using it for a sin license, you be warned on this right here. You're stirring up a pot of trouble for yourself if you abuse the grace of God like this. 
If you're truly saved, you will have the inclination to not act like that. But if you are genuinely saved, you need to understand that your sin provokes God's wrath and God will be against you. No more of this, well, I'm saved. God has to be behind me all the way. Not if you're going to act like this. God will be against you. That's just a little warning that God gives us in his word. Now, God's anger is a righteous response because he's mad. No, God's love. He's just happy. He loves everybody. He wants everybody to come to heaven. God gets angry. We're seeing that here in the Word. I've heard people say that God never punishes anybody. I'm sorry, I'm looking at it right here in the Bible. His righteous response. They always run to that verse, do not get angry. But in the context, it says, do not sin while in your anger. Read the Bible, guys. (laughs) Don't sin while you're in your anger. And so there is such a thing as righteous anger. And God starts handing them over to their enemy. This is yet another characteristic of God that people don't know about, that he would do such a thing as this. He does it. If you have an unrepentant sin issue in your life, it's best to get it out of your, out of your house, out of your life, repent of it, and stop going back to it. Don't keep doing it anymore. Get right with God and stop provoking his wrath. Now, we have to remember why there are even enemies around to be handed over to in the first place. I got to thinking about that. Well, wait a minute. God said, go in and take over the land and get these Canaanites out of here. Wipe them out. How come there's even enemies around? Why are there even some in there? Because Israel did not take them out when God told them to. They did not do what God said. And now, those people they wouldn't take out is now their problem. Friends, if you don't get that sin out of your life, it's going to be your biggest problem real soon. you got to get it out of there. Had they done what God told them to in the first place, had they taken the enemies out, they wouldn't have this enemy here to be in this distress because there'd be no enemy around. Basically, Israel is falling into the hole they dug for themselves, and now they're being plundered, robbed by the people they did not remove from the land. I want to show you Psalm 106. We're almost done. Psalm 106.34 says, They did not destroy the peoples concerning whom the Lord had commanded them, but they mingled with the Gentiles and learned their works. They served their idols, which became a snare to them. They even sacrificed their sons and their daughters to demons. Hello, abortion in America. And shed innocent blood, the blood of their sons and daughters, whom they sacrificed to the idols of Canaan. And the land was polluted with blood. It sounds like America today. The land was polluted with blood, thus they were defiled by their own works and played the harlot by their own deeds. Therefore, the wrath of the Lord was kindled against his people so that he abhorred his own, so that he abhorred his own inheritance and he gave them into the land of the Gentiles and those who hated them ruled over them. Their enemies also oppressed them and they were brought into subjection under their land. Friends, why do you think persecution is so bad in the United States? Because the Christians are not going out and doing what God told them to do. God said, I want you to go take the gospel out to people. I want you to evangelize. I want you to call people repentance, and we're just not really doing it. Now, I'm not saying everybody. I'm not putting it across the board. I'm saying on the majority scale in this nation, Christians are just not doing what God told them to do. We have our enemies are now a snare to us. Friends, right here also, shows us the love and grace of our God. Look at all this craziness and how terrible the sin is that goes on. Nevertheless, the Lord still wants to save them. (laughs) I live in a messed up nation. 
a nation against itself, fighting over false gods. But God still wants to save all these people. We pray at Planned Parenthood, not against the people. We we pray against abortion, but we pray for the people who work there, that they will repent and turn around and be saved. And we've seen it happen. We have seen girls come there to have this done and change their minds and leave with a decision to keep them because somebody stood in the way and said, no, we got the gospel for you. And I want to say to anybody here, I, I don't know whoever has, but if you've ever done this before, I want you to know there's forgiveness. Don't carry that load, that burden. God forgives you, and it's so good. But this is the love and grace of God. However bad the sin, the Lord still wants to save them. Now, verse 16 says, the Lord sent them judges. This one verse is speaking forward through the entire book of Judges that we're in. We are getting our summary view of the entire book ahead. God sent them judges, many Many judges, more than one person to try to draw Israel back. Israel sinned, he sends a judge. Israel sinned, he sends a judge. Israel sinned, he sends a judge over and over and over. Mankind goes, hey, I'm done with you. But God sends judges again and again and again to try to draw the people back. Friends, God had to do that to me. And he had to do that to you before you snapped out of it and woke up and got saved. He sent deliverer, Jesus Christ. He sent a bunch of people over and over again to get to you, didn't he? Thank you, Lord. Judges 2 and 17, yet they would not listen to their judges, but they played the harlot with other gods and bowed down to them. They turned quickly from the way in which their fathers walked in obeying the commandments of the Lord. They did not do so. God is sending judge after judge after judge. He's trying to save the people. He's trying to get them to snap out of it. And he sends them many, many, many opportunities to come around, but they just weren't taking it. Yet God said, I will never break my covenant with you. Friends, we're under a covenant, and we want to remember that covenant, that the Lord Jesus spilled his blood for us. Uh, We want to remember the work that the Lord Jesus did for us when he made a covenant for us to come save us. And I can't tell you how many times I messed up again and again and again, and the Lord warned me, and he sent person after person to come tell me about Jesus Christ, and I wouldn't listen. And I kept doing damage, and I kept sinning and messing up, but the Lord stayed after me. He pursued me. Why? Because He loves me. And because God loves you. You'd be amazed to find out how sad it is that there's a lot of people today that do not realize that God would actually love them. Because they're thinking in the back of their mind all the things they've done wrong. God actually loves them, and He sent His Son. And it is by covenant, covenant, that He came and saved us. And He did it Himself. We didn't help. And He says, it is my covenant, and it is His covenant that He will not break with us. Oh, good, let's go party. No, let's bow down and be thankful and serve Him and obey Him for what He has done. Thank you, Lord God, for Your covenant with us. And so, as the elements are being passed around, I want us to think about what all it took for the Lord to save us. It wasn't easy. And all that payment was made solely by Him. You didn't pay for it. He paid for it. And He gives us victory through His being raised again from the dead. When He tells us to go do something, when He tells us to take the gospel out, that's something we're supposed to do. 
God's commands are not options. They're commands. Anybody who's been in the military, if you're given a command, what happens if you don't do it? You are in trouble. Let's not forsake the Lord our God like Israel had done, like we have done in the past. Let's be thankful that He has forgiven us and that He came after us relentlessly. Father God, I thank You for coming after me. Thank You, Lord God, for all the work, all the time, all the effort, all that You have done to save me. Thank You, Lord, for this picture in the book of Judges, how You are continually going after Your covenant people. And uh, Lord, it's a picture of how You are with us in the gospel. Lord, I pray for someone somewhere that's hearing my voice. They get real with their sin. They scrutinize it. They review it, and they say, hey, it's time to get out of this. And they get out of there, and they repent for real. Not just the emotional thing where you go and do it again the next day, but it's time to be done with this. I thank you, for it, Father, for being patient. Because, Lord, it took me a long time. And, Lord, I'm still a knucklehead sometime. Lord, thank you, God, that you deal with me. You have great patience. Forgive me, Lord God, for putting you through all this time. I know I'm the sinner. And I thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Luke 22 and 14. When the hour had come, he sat down and the twelve apostles with him. Then he said to them, this is Jesus, with fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and gave it to them saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take the bread. The Lord is saying, Guys, remember me. Verse 20. Likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant. Do you all see that? Covenant. Okay. You know how God views covenant. This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. We are thankful that we are saved in the new covenant. God says, I will never break my covenant with you. Father, thank you so much for what you've done for us. We don't deserve it. We didn't even help. All we did was damage. We didn't help make anything better. All we did was make things worse, and yet you still come after us because you love us. Thank you, Lord God, for your covenant, your salvation covenant. Out of appreciation for what you've done for us, Lord, I ask a special blessing, a special enabling of everybody in here that they will now go out and tell somebody what you have done for them so that the generation behind us does not forget, that they will know what you've done. And they will think of us, and they will remember us. That, yes, the Lord did that for him. I want part of it too. Lord, we're not going to allow a generation gap to follow us. We're going to put it into the ones behind us, because we have seen the damage it causes when the, the, the message is not con- effectively conveyed, that once that leadership is gone, the people fall right back into chaos again. Lord, we don't want that for our children. So Lord, I ask you to teach everybody in here through the Holy Spirit who indwells them how to convey that message. And when we get opportunities to do it, that we don't back down and be afraid to, but we will do it. We just want to do what you told us to do because we don't want to forsake you. Lord God, we want to be on the team. Thank you, Lord God, that you invited me in because you want me around. All those times, Lord God, that I felt like people didn't want me around, you always want me around and you call it covenant. I thank you for it, Jesus. Let's go get some more. Let's go do it. In Jesus' name. Amen. 
you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.